friends. I want to say welcome to Vernonia Church and our online teaching time. I also want to say Merry Christmas. Uh, if you're just joining us here, my name is Sam. I'm the pastor here at Vernonia Church, and, and we do these online teachings so that we can help reach new people, so that we could help uh, spread the message of God's Word here online. And so I want to welcome you. If you're just joining us for the first time, I want to say uh, we're glad that you're here. If, if you're a person who's been with us regularly, I want to say we're glad that you're here, and I hope these teachings have been blessing you as we've been moving in to the Christmas season. Uh, this year, our Christmas teaching series is called God's Voice and His Son, where we've been talking about how this son that was born is God's voice to us all today. And in just a few moments, I'm going to share with you a teaching where we're going to talk about how His Son is the creator of all things. And it's going to be a great day. Hey, before we begin, I want to invite you to please like and subscribe, uh, to ring a sun, ring the hit the sub notification bell, uh, to leave comments, uh, encouragements, to uh, to just engage with what we're we're doing here, so that you can help us reach new people so that you can help us uh, engage in with with new people uh, with the message of Christ. That said, I want to invite you to pray with me as we dive in to our teaching. Father in heaven, we come before you right now and we ask that you would bless this time where we're going to think about how you are this creator God, uh, how how you not only created all things, but you redeem all things and one day you will recreate all things. And so, God, uh, we come before you and we just invite you to speak to us. We invite you to teach us. God, we invite you to speak just the right word for just the right time for each of us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together, amen. Well, let's dive into our teaching. Uh, I want to begin by uh, telling you, you know, one of the things I really like about this season is a tradition that our family has during the Christmas season. Your family probably has something similar, uh, but every year we put up a Christmas tree. And for me, every year I put up two Christmas trees. Uh, if you don't know, we, we worship at our church in a big building and we have plenty of room. And so every year we get the biggest Christmas tree we can fit through the doors and we lift it up every year year, uh, we get a, a 20 plus foot Christmas tree. It usually takes nine to a dozen people to carry it in the room. And then we have this special stand for it. We, we lift it by hand and we, 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 we anchor it down. And then it usually takes about two days to decorate. The tree behind me right now is probably the biggest and the heaviest one we've done yet. Uh, is a 25-foot Christmas tree. Uh, we had a friend pick it up uh, on, a, on a trailer. He brought it in and we had a whole bunch of big men. We grabbed that sucker and we brought it in through double doors. We lifted it and lifted it and lifted it and boy, it was back breaking, let me tell you. And then 
it took a couple of days to jump on a scissor lift and back and forth and back and forth. We put about uh, 2,500 lights on this thing. And then after the lights are on, it's back and forth again on the scissor lift going up and down all around. And we're putting uh, all kinds of ornaments, different sizes, just making this beautiful tree so that when we're worshiping, we have this huge Christmas tree as part of our worship service. And usually that's the tree I do first. And then our family will go get our own tree as the kids have gotten older. It's gotten harder and harder to coordinate a day where we're all available to go get the tree together. But that's sort of been a tradition for us. We we go to a tree farm and usually the tree farm we go to has like Santa there. Sometimes they'll have reindeer there. Uh, sometimes they'll be selling cocoa and hot dogs. And so this year we jumped in our, our minivan and brought the family out to the tree farm. And we did what we usually do. We got the cocoa. We, we took a bunch of pictures. Then mama and the girls start looking for the tree. And I've learned over the years that there's only really one person choosing that tree and I'll get asked what do you think and I'll say well that's a good one there and and I really have learned that uh, there's not much that is worth saying when it comes to my opinion with the tree. That's okay. Uh, it just makes it easier for me. And the girls will go back and forth. What about this tree? What about that tree? And over the years, it used to take a really long time, but over the years, everybody's pretty much learned that there's one person picking the tree. And, uh, and so it got a little quicker. And then after the tree is picked, there are pictures galore. Uh, the kids will get pictures. The family will get pictures. And, and we'll get picture after picture after picture with this tree before it gets chopped down. Then we hand the saw to my son. He gets on his knees, starts sawing the thing, and then we carry it down and we put it on the uh, on the minivan. This year, uh, the tree was small enough. We just went ahead and stuck it inside the minivan. It was like a great, you know, uh, pine scent <laughs> a refresher, you know. And, uh, and we went home with the tree and I'm so grateful that these trees are smaller than the 25 foot one instead of taking a couple days it takes about 10 minutes to put the lights on and put it up Christmas music is playing and it's a fun time it's a fun tradition that we have when it comes to the Christmas season and I wonder what what traditions do you have do you have do you have a Christmas tree tradition before we had kids it was just you know we put up a fake tree and we still decorated it and, and everything maybe you put up a fake tree. Maybe you go get the real tree. Maybe it's a big ordeal for you. What tradition do you have surrounding uh, your, your Christmas season? Do you go get it right at uh, Thanksgiving? Do you get it before Thanksgiving? Do you when do you get it? You know, do you get it last minute? Uh, what traditions do you have? I'd be curious. Just put in the comments below what traditions maybe you have when it comes to uh, this uh, the Christmas tree in your house. Well, uh, Christmas tree. Have you ever thought about why we use Christmas trees? What's the deal with Christmas trees? And where did this tradition begin? Well. Well, the stories told that in the 700s, uh, there was there was a uh, a Christian missionary in Germany who was reaching people for Christ. He was sharing with these 
people the faith in Christ. And, and as people were responding, they were turning their backs on their pagan gods. And in that area, at that time, they were worshiping a lot of the Greek gods, gods like Zeus. And there's a traditional story that says that as they were reaching people for Christ, this missionary was leading them to get rid of the things that reminded them of these pagan gods. And, and there was one pagan god, uh, or one one place where they worshipped this pagan god, and it was this big oak tree uh, considered the Oak of Zeus. Well, this missionary led them in cutting down that old oak tree. Well, they cut it down, and over time, in that stump, uh, a shoot began to grow up. Somehow, somewhere, a fir tree was uh, seeded in the stump of that old oak and a fir tree began to grow and this this missionary uh, looked at that fir tree and he took it as a as a symbol of Christ and that was where the Chris, christmas tree idea and tradition began uh, to to spread this idea of a fir tree representing Christ. And, and over time in Germany, the tradition of cutting down a tree and bringing it in and making it a part of the Christmas celebration sort of caught on. And by the 1500s, uh, people were celebrating Christmas. By the 18th century, people were celebrating in Europe and Germany, especially in places like, like France and and, and and in Germany and, and and all over Europe they were they were celebrating Christmas with Christmas trees in their home they would decorate them with candles and it was it was this uh, it was this part of, of the tradition of celebrating the coming of the Christ and the 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 Christmas tree sort of took on special meaning over time it was used to teach now, a lot of times in those days with a low level of literacy among the average people, there was a lot of use of symbolism to teach. There was a lot of use of traditions to teach, a lot of use of pictures and, and paintings, glass windows with with figures and different things going on. A lot of teaching was done with these traditions and symbols, including the things that began to kind of come around the Christmas season and the Christmas story. There are a lot of things we use during Christmas. We don't think of uh, their their significance. We, we don't really think of today. We just have them and we assume it's just part of Christmas. We don't think of the symbolism behind it and the teaching behind it. Things like wreaths, you know, a, a wreath is a twisted up piece uh, vine a twisted up of vines and branches and 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 the wreath represents a crown and it's supposed to be a reminder of the crown of Christ and, and a wreath is a perfect circle representing the eternal reign of Christ and it's a perfect circle representing eternity and and there's supposed to be a reminder there of the crown of Christ and the eternal reign of Christ and candy canes. Uh, a candy cane is a candy 
candy that's shaped like a shepherd's crook, reminding us of the the good shepherd and how Jesus is the good shepherd. And it's it's made up of twisted red and white, and the, the red and white lines are there to remind us of the blood of Christ and the cost and the sacrifice of Christ, the blood that makes us white as snow and washes away our sin. And so there's, there's symbolism happening even in the candy we're eating. In fact, even in the flavor of the candy, the flavors are supposed to remind us of medicinal herbs, reminding us of the healing of our great physician, Jesus. And the, even Christmas cookies, you might not have known, but Christmas cookies are supposed to also be a teaching tool, reminding us of the, the, the bread of life, reminding us of the unleavened bread that God provided and his provision during the uh, d- during the time where the people of Israel were in Egypt God provided them this manna this unleavened bread that uh, tasted like honey and and we remember that Jesus is the bread of life that comes from heaven and when you eat your next Christmas cookie don't feel bad like you have to go on a diet instead say God thank you for the bread of life uh, but I want to come back to the Christmas tree and I want to spend some time there because there's a lot of symbolism that it's used when it comes to the Christmas tree a lot of teaching that's meant to be in this tree that's in our home that we look at all the time during the Christmas season. This big tree that we have in our church that's 25 feet tall that that, that teaches us something about the Christmas season. And and, and what I want to do is I want to sort of bring the Christmas tree together because of the the symbolism that's in it. And I want to get into some truths about God and his voice, his son, Uh, some truths about Jesus as the creator of all things. You see, we're in this series where we've been talking about how God's voice is in his son. Uh, and, and we've been looking at Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, we're told that in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through uh, all in all kinds of ways. In Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, it says this, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son through whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. And what we've done is we've looked at this text all throughout this series. We've been looking at how in the past God spoke in all kinds of ways, through all kinds of things. He did. Uh, he would speak through prophets and dreams and visions, and he would speak through burning bushes and still small voices. And God spoke in all kinds of ways. But in these days, these last days, a time frame that Scripture Scripture will describe as the time from when Jesus ascended into heaven till the time that he returns. That's the last days. We're living in what the Bible will call the last days. And in these last days, he speaks to us through Jesus, his son. As we celebrate Christmas, we're celebrating the coming of Jesus, the son, and we're celebrating the voice of God in Jesus, his son. And then Paul, in Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, will tell us some specific things about why we should listen as God speaks through Jesus, his son. One, because he's the heir of all things. Last week, we talked about 
how he's the heir of all things. If you missed that teaching, you can catch up with us on our YouTube channel. You can go to www.vernonia.church and there you can listen to our updated messages, but there's also a link you can hit that will bring you to old messages, uh, the last, uh, you know, last messages on our YouTube channel. You can catch up there. Uh, but uh, in these last days, he speaks to us through the Son, who's the heir of all things. And today we're going to talk about how the last line of this says, through whom he made the universe. God wants us to know that the sun was there when the universe was made. The sun was there uh, when, when the creation happened, and he wasn't just there, but he was part of the creation. You see, Jesus didn't begin to exist when he was born in Bethlehem, and when the Christmas story began to unfold. No, Jesus existed before all of that. Jesus has always existed. He's always been a part of who God is. And I want to encourage you. I'm going to I'm going to give you a whole bunch of stuff, a whole bunch of teaching today. And I'm going to I'm I'm going to keep coming back to the Christmas tree and it's uh, and it's symbolism. I know I know it's traditional symbolism, but in each thought, it's going to be a biblical thought about how Jesus is the creator of all things. You see, when Jesus created all things, a tree was there. And the Christmas tree is supposed to bring us back. It's supposed to remind us of the tree that was there at creation. You see, the Christmas tree, part of the symbolism is that it will uh, represent the Trinity. It will represent the Trinity because there's, you know, it's it's like a, a Christmas trees are fir trees and they make a triangle and it reminds us of the three parts and the three sides to God. Uh, this, this tree reminds us that God is three in one. He's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And when we come to the story of creation, we see that God, all three persons of God who are co-equal, they're all involved at the creation. The, the, The Apostle John, when he writes to us about who Jesus was before the Christmas story. He will describe Jesus as the Word of God. In in John 1 1, he says, In the beginning, the Word was with, was God, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he will talk about how, how the Word was there at the beginning, and the Word was involved at the beginning. Uh, just so we're sure that John was talking about Jesus in John 1 verse 14, it's kind of John's uh, theological. Christmas verse. It's the verse that tells us what happened when the Word of God became the Son of God. And in John 1.14, it says that the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And so John is going to tell us that the Word was there when the creation happened. And the Word was the one through whom God made the universe. And we open up Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and we meet God and we see at the beginning God spoke and all things came to be. Jesus was the word that God 
spoke. In Genesis 1-1, we also see the Spirit of God at creation. We see all three persons of God at work in creation. It says the Spirit of God was hovering over the earth as God created everything. And between John and between Genesis, these three persons of the Trinity are at creation. And in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 to 17, the Apostle Paul is going to tell us that Jesus is the Creator God. It says in Colossians 1, 16 to 17, for by Him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's the creator God. He's the sovereign God. He, he's the one who holds all things together. And, and we see the story of God creating mankind where he says, let us make man in our image. And there's this picture of the creator God, uh, three persons, all in one, creating. And there's a tree there. And the tree that's there at creation, a tree that is named at creation, is in this place that Scripture will call paradise. It's in a place where God created Adam and Eve in his image, and he gives them this paradise that's filled with all kinds of, of good things, fruits, vegetables. It's a garden paradise filled with trees, and God says to them, listen, you can eat from any tree. You can eat the fruit of anything in the garden except for this one thing. This tree that's there, it will represent a choice. You see, God wanted to have a genuine relationship with his creation, but a genuine relationship requires a genuine choice. And God told them the ramifications of that choice. Because God is the author and the creator of life, should they choose to reject a relationship with God, then they will bring into their lives sin, brokenness, and death. And he said to them, you can eat anything except for the fruit of this tree. And he put this tree in the garden in Genesis 2. 17 he says but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that's the tree's name it was called that because by eating it they would have intimate knowledge of the difference between good and evil now they will have intimate knowledge of evil and for when you eat of it he says to them you will surely die. And if you follow the story in Genesis, you will see that Satan tempted Adam and Eve to look at this tree, to uh, think of its fruit as something that was desirable because he convinced them that if they ate of this tree, they would be like God, which is the fall that most of us, uh, the sin that most of us fall into uh, when we sin, because we want to have the authority of God in our lives. We want to have uh, the control of God in our lives. We want to make our decisions, and, and, and nobody should tell us what to do. We want to be like God. And so Satan tempted them with it, and they fell. The, the relationship between mankind and God was broken. There, the, there was 
was a strain brought in and, and sin and brokenness entered in. But God decided he wasn't going to leave the world that way forever. He had a plan and that plan involved a Christmas story. It, it involved the story of him entering into our world as the creator of all things to give people a chance to uh, have a recreation, to give people a chance to experience a, uh, a redemption story. And so God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways, dropping hints about what he was going to do, unveiling his plan a little bit here and there, working his plan to bring about the story of, of forgiveness and grace, to bring about the story of how he was going to undo what was done in the garden for each one of us. And, and the Christmas tree will remind us of what God did. You see, the Christmas tree represents the coming of Christ. Uh, traditionally, this Christmas tree is topped with a star, topped with an angel, and and both of those are reminders of the stories leading up to the coming of Christ. The, the angels are there, and he's he's announcing the coming of of Jesus. In Luke chapter two, there's an angel that says, "I bring you great new, good news of great joy." That will be for all people today in the town of David a star has been a savior has been born to you he is Christ the lord and we remember also the story of the magi kings that came from the east that followed a star to the place where Jesus was and so you might have wondered why do we put angels and stars on top of the tree. Well, it's because we're remembering God's plan and the coming of Christ and, and the announcement of the arrival of Christ so that we can celebrate God's voice as the creator, the son has come into the world. And then Jesus redeems all things and he does it and there's a tree there. We can follow the symbolism of the Christmas tree to lead us to the redemption story of Jesus. You know, one of the things that that tree is supposed to represent is the burning bush. Where, where there was this bush that was on fire and the bush was on fire and God's voice was speaking from that bush to Moses. As he's telling Moses that he is going to lead this people up out of Egypt, out of the slavery they were experiencing, out of the genocide they were experiencing, God was going to free these people and make a kingdom of his own out of these people. He was going to redeem these people. Here's one of the things that God would say to Moses in Exodus chapter 6 verse 6 he would say say to the Israelites I am the Lord and I will bring you out from the yoke of the Egyptians I will free you from being slaves to them and I will redeem you with an outstretched and uh, arm and mighty acts of judgment and the word redemption here is a word that is supposed to uh, it's supposed to give us the idea of 
of someone buying something and and freeing something and saving something out of slavery or 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 redeeming someone uh, means that you have saved them, you have freed them, and often there's a price you paid for them, and Jesus will pay the price of his life for us to redeem us. But, but here, the redemption of Israel was God pulling them out freeing them, saving them, uh, claiming them as his own. And even though that did happen, it was supposed to be somewhat of a foreshadowing of what Jesus was going to do as our Redeemer and Savior. He was going to free us from slavery to sin and death, and he was going to redeem us and claim us as his own and bring us into his eternal kingdom. Uh, the, the picture of Moses being sent to uh, to re- help to be God's um, instrument in redemption is supposed to be a picture of how Jesus is God's instrument of redemption for us. And the Christmas tree is meant to remind us of the shoot of Jesse, which was a, a biblical prophecy, a lot like that tree stump that was cut down by that missionary, uh, and and a lot like how the um, the fir tree began to grow in the stump. That story is sort of a, a story that, well, God said something like that was going to happen with the throne of David. God told the people of Israel that David's throne and his kingdom, well, it would, it would be like someone chopped down a tree. But the tree wouldn't die because out of that tree would come a shoot that would grow into another great tree that would bear all kinds of fruit. And, and, and the picture of a tree that grows up out of a stump is sort of a metaphor that God will use, sort of a symbolism that God will use for the way that we know historically what happened, that that. Uh, the people of Israel and the kingdom of Israel and the throne of David looked like a tree that was cut down uh, with all the exiles and with all the w- with all the falls of Jerusalem and with what looked like the end of the throne of David but until we come to Matthew chapter 1 where a son of David rises up to become the king of kings and lord of lords and he reigns on an eternal throne Here's what Isaiah prophesied. Isaiah prophesied that a shoot would come up from the stump of Jesse. And if you don't don't remember, Jesse was the father of David. And, uh, and, and, and so he says a shoot will come out of the stump of Jesse, and from his roots a branch will bear fruit. In verses 2 to 4 of Isaiah 11, it says, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the Spirit Spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord, and he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy, with justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked." 
in Isaiah 11, verse 10, it says, In that day the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for all peoples. The nations will rally to him, and, 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 and his place of rest will be glorious. And so when, when we're looking at our Christmas trees in our homes, other than just seeing a bunch of lights and presents under the tree and, and this nice tree that smells real good, uh, remember that, that this tree represents a tree that grew out of a stump that, uh, that was a part of the promise of God that he would redeem all people and all peoples all over the earth will turn to, to God uh, as they turn to this this root of Jesse, this or sorry, this shoot of Jesse. And the Christmas tree represents this shoot, uh, this root, I, I, this shoot, I, I, eventually I'll get it right, this shoot of Jesse, which is the, the, the tree growing up out of the stump. Uh, we, we will turn to it, we'll think of how Jesus is the light of the world. The Christmas tree also reminds us of that. You know, we usually adorn that tree with lights. Our, the tree behind me here has about 2,500 uh, <laughs> 2, lights on it. And uh, my tree at home has like 200. But uh, we have we have these lights on our trees that repre- represent Jesus, the light of the world. And John 1, 4, it says, in him was life. And that light, that life was the light of men. And John 8, 12, Jesus would say, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You know, every once in a while, I'm reminded of what a what a dark world we live in. Uh, so, uh, you know, it doesn't take long to get a reminder like that. I I do try to read the news headlines of the day just about every day. I'll I'll read different news uh, outlets. You know, I I look at I look at uh, what I call all three. Uh, I'll I'll look at the Fox News outlet. I'll look at uh, a CNN news outlet, and then I'll look at the BBC outlet. And one thing I notice is that just about every news headline is about a scandal. It's about a, a murder. It's about it's about a, a sad story, a reminder of the brokenness of the world that we live in. We live in a dark place, but often uh, we don't have to look at news headlines. We can just look at the world around us. You know, I can I can look at uh, the lives of many of my friends, uh, many of my family. And I can see darkness. I can see brokenness. I can see hurts and hardships and and pain and and sin. And I'm reminded that we live in a dark world. You know, every once in a while something will happen, even with people in our church, that reminds us that we live in a dark world. It wasn't long ago that uh, my wife and I had become aware of something that was sad, and and my wife came into my office and she was. Uh, in tears, and she said, "Sometimes we just live in just such a uh, an evil, a wicked world, a dark place." And I said, "I know, honey, I know." And one of our jobs is to continue to point people to Jesus, who's the light of the world. We're called to be a light 
in a dark place. We're called to be people who are who are pointing to Jesus, who is the light of the world. And he's the one who's going to be able to do something about it. And what he does about it is he gives his life for us on a tree. When Jesus redeems, there's a tree, a tree that was cut down, a tree that was uh, that was milled, and then a tree that was that was crafted into a cross. That tree was used to crucify our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords, and that tree was was used as a place for all the curses, all the darkness of our world to be nailed onto that cross. And if we would turn to him, our light, if we would turn to him, we can see all the darkness of our lives put on that cross, put into the hands and the feet of Jesus that were pierced on that cross. And Jesus becomes a curse for us on that cross so that he might redeem us from the effects of the curse on us and and in our world. It says in Galatians chapter 3 verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us For it is written, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. And so we see the creator, when he created, there was a tree there. And that tree represented a fall. And then he redeems. And when he comes, he he enters our world through the Christmas story as our our redeemer, as our creator. And when he redeems, there's a tree there. And on that tree... We see, we, we see the Son of God, the voice of God, saying, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. On that tree, we see the light of the world, and who becomes our life, who becomes our light, who becomes our Redeemer. And when Jesus recreates all things, I love this, there's a tree that's there. When the Apostle John uh, was given his revelation that, that we read in the last book of the Bible called Revelation, he shares with us this vision that he had as Jesus shows him heaven. Jesus shows him what what heaven's like and what's there. And John tries his best to put things into words we can understand and and a lot of it is just so wild and crazy as we read it and three times over in the book of revelation jesus will share with john a message that that people fell once god created and that in that fall there's darkness and brokenness there's dragons and beasts and all kinds of bad things and there there's an attempt to to overcome the work of God there's an attempt to destroy people but in the end Jesus is victorious in the end the son of God the lamb of God who was slain sits on the throne and in the end those who believe in him will be welcomed into his kingdom with white robes. And there's all kinds of imagery and everything going on. And I love the way that John paints a picture 
of how we're in heaven. And in heaven, there's a new heaven, a new earth, a recreation of God. And, and, and there's a new Jerusalem. And he describes how there's this river of life that comes from the throne of God. And along the river of life is a tree, the tree of life. And by the way, the Christmas tree is supposed to be a symbol, a a reminder of the tree of life that grows along the river of life. Uh, The Christmas tree represents this tree. In Revelation 22, 1-2, it says this, Then the angel showed me a river of water of life, crystal are clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit. In other words, it, it bore fruit every month, every season with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. And this, this is a tree that continues to bear fruit. This is a tree that stays green all year long. And that's one of the reasons we use a fir tree, an evergreen tree, because the the, the Christmas tree represents a hope that never goes away. Uh, Like the the tree of life, the Christmas tree stays green 12 months of year, and it brings hope. It it bears fruit no no matter what season of life it's in. It reminds us that there's hope. And and, and the tree of, of life, John brings, to our minds is a tree that brings healing to the nations. We live in a world filled with people that need healing. We live in a world filled with people who are, are hurting and they need spiritual healing, emotional healing, physical healing. We need the healing of God and Jesus offers us hope. And one day he will bring healing to all who are in his kingdom. And the Christmas tree points us to heaven. It's like a big arrow pointing up. It's needles, it's crest, it's all shaped upward, right? And and, and it's all shaped to, to point us to the one who created, who redeemed, and who recreates all things. In Psalm 123, verse 1, it says, I lift my eyes to you, to you whose throne is in heaven. And this tree is meant to to point us to the one who's in heaven, because in heaven, that's where all the promises, that's where all our faith becomes sight. That's where we we find the redemption of Jesus. And the Christmas tree represents a resurrection. You see, just like the tree that uh, we put in our house gets cut down, And then it gets lifted back up, propped up, put up. So, too, Christ gave his life. He did die. And for three days, he was in a tomb. And then three days later, he rose from the dead. Ultimately, it's a reminder that our creator God gave his life for us. But he was our creator God. He was the author of life, and 
And death can't hold down the author of life. Death isn't powerful enough to to keep its grip on the creator, the one who breathes the breath of life into us. And so we see that the story of the coming of our creator is the story that goes from a tree to a tree, to a tree. And so I guess it's fitting that we involve a tree as we celebrate his coming. It's a reminder that our faith in Jesus is faith in the burial, the death, and the resurrection of our Savior. It's a reminder to confess our faith in him and to believe in his resurrection in our hearts. In Romans 10, verses 8 to 10, it says this, the, the, that the message is the very message about faith that we preach. That if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. And you see, we, we, we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. And when we put that tree up, when we push that tree up, it's a reminder that God does the work of resurrection, not only in Jesus' resurrection, but as we take a hold of the salvation he offers, there's a hope of our own resurrection. From a tree to a tree to a tree of recreation, we look and we look forward to our own recreation. Where after we lay this body down, God raises it from the dead too. And he promises us that if we join him in his death, we will also join him in his resurrection. Jesus is God's voice today. Jesus is the heir of all things, the creator of all things. And he's coming to us, he's coming to you, inviting you to have faith in him, inviting you to believe in your heart in him, your creator, your redeemer, and your re-creator. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for this Christmas season where we can uh, surround our homes and surround our lives with symbols and reminders of what you've done for us. Uh, God, we we know that you've never told us to surround ourselves with these things. There's no Christmas tree in the Bible, um, but there is the Word of God in the Bible. And all of these things we've talked about are spiritual truths that are true in scripture and god we're so thankful for we're so thankful for you as our creator and not just as our creator but as our redeemer and as the one who gives us hope of a recreation and so god we celebrate christmas we celebrate the coming of christ we celebrate the voice of god in Jesus, his voice to us. And as we celebrate, I pray, Father, that you will help us hear what your voice is saying to each of us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said together, amen.
I want to thank you for joining me this morning as we dove into this teaching. I want to invite you to come back. We're going to continue this teaching all the way into Christmas Eve, and we're going to have a special Christmas Eve teaching, and and all the way into Christmas morning, we'll also have a special Christmas morning teaching. So be sure to join us on Christmas Eve and Christmas morning as well. Uh, and uh, those are going to be those are going to be great great days to be together. And so I want to just uh, really quick, I want to say thank you to those of you who have been a part of our online teaching time. I want to say thank you to those of you who've been praying. Uh, Please, uh, today, uh, be in prayer, not only for yourself, but for those who are joining us online. And be in prayer that we will continue to reach new people online, that we will continue to be a blessing to others online. Uh, Be in prayer because you coming and being a part of this ministry, uh, you're doing more than just viewing, right? You're hearing from God, but you're also serving. You can serve by praying for the other people that, that will join us online. And you can serve by praying that other people will be joining us online. And some of you are giving. I want to say thank you for giving to Vernonia Church. Some of you have been giving to our special Christmas offering. This is an offering we do every year together. This year, our our our, our Christmas offering is going to go towards building a new kids park here in in, in our uh, on our church property. Uh, we have one now, and we're going to tear it down. It's it's time to replace it, and we're going to put a brand new one in. And so, if you want to give towards that uh, special Christmas offering, you're welcome to do that as well. But I want to say thank you that for to those of you who've been giving uh, to support this work that we're doing, and God is God is using your giving. Your giving is making a difference because through the work we're doing, we've been helping people come to know the truths of God's word together, and in creative ways. Uh, I want to say thank you to those of you who are doing that. If you'd like to give, if you'd like to be a part of it, it's easy. You could click a link below, which will bring you to our online giving um, Tithely account. Uh, or if you want to go to www.vernonia.church, you can click there. There's a Give tab that you can follow, and that will bring you to the same place. Uh, while you're on our website, you might as well go to our YouTube and check out uh, old messages, catch up on series that we've done in the past. Um, maybe uh, maybe you'll find something uh, that you really interested in as you browse through the different series and teachings that we've done. Uh, be sure to, to do that as well. Well, with that said, I'd like to pray one last time. I'd like to pray that God will bless our work that we're doing here at Verdonia Church. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we pray that you will um, continue to work through Vernonia Church. We pray that you will help us to spread the message of the gospel to our online community as well as uh, to our physical community. God, I pray that you will help us to continue to be a light in a dark place. I pray that you will help us to continue to um, point the people of this community, the people of our church towards you. We thank you that you are our light. And we thank you for leading us to the cross where we can find salvation and forgiveness and to your kingdom where we have hope of spending eternity with you. And God, we pray that you will help us as a church. We pray that you will help us as an online community to be able to 
draw more and more people to your salvation and your kingdom as well. It's in Christ's name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Well, I'd like to finish up by declaring it's been a great day and then uh, a Merry Christmas. You're welcome to do it with me. I always like doing this. I'm going to count to three and we're going to declare it's been a great day and then shout it out. Merry Christmas. You ready? One, two, three. It's been a great day and Merry Christmas. I hope you have a blessed week and I look forward to seeing you next week. Mm -hmm.